This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Hello and welcome to the conjecturing, I mean conjecture ween, a Halloween-ish Woo! podcast. Uh, so we're doing, you know, uh, it's already, we're already throwing things off in the beginning here a bit. Uh, so this is a conjecturing, but we're doing Halloween, uh, like month-long things. So we're doing conjecture ween. So we got Laura here. Hello. And we got Greg here. What up? What up? And I'm your uh, spooktacular host, Rob. Um, so... <laughs> So just so leaning good. into it, leaning into it right now. So t- technically yeah. right now, this is October 1st. This episode is going to be dropping October 1st. So we are fully in Halloween season. But according to Twitter, there's a lot of people that just Halloween is year round. You know, the, I, I didn't really understand it. Like my wife is very much like Christmas is year round. She can listen to Christmas music all the time. I didn't really under- know there was like a whole Halloween year round thing too. Would you, would you, are you guys kind of like that? Do you kind of like celebrate Halloween all the time? I you know? think that horror movies are year round, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spookiness in that regard. Absolutely. But I, I definitely subscribe to the whole spooky season, which for sure starts like August 31st, September 1st for us who Halloween's my favorite holiday. And I think if for all of the other listeners out there who agree, that's when it starts. Uh, it's not October 1st. It's, it's before that. It's the nice. very end of summer, you know, heading into fall. Yeah, I've, I've never been like a big holiday person in general. Like definitely when I met my wife, it was like, okay, she likes Christmas. So I'm gonna like Christmas. And when we had our, our when we had our son, I'm like, okay, holidays are kind of more special now. But definitely since starting this pod, I would definitely say Halloween has surpassed my wife. So I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully my wife doesn't Boom. listen, you know, but, uh, but it's okay, you know. Um, yeah, so, so I'm excited that we're doing this kind of like month long Halloween, uh, you know, marathon where Laura's picking, you know, five different Halloween movies. There's five weeks uh, this month, you know. Um, So this is the first one we're going to get into this week and we're all super excited. I think we might have different opinions. We'll see what happens here. Laura kind of... Laura admitted a little bit off mic that she might be taking off the gloves, you know, putting on a mask. Maybe we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you know what we're drinking, kind of like Zoom backgrounds. Uh, Laura, what do you got going on tonight? I have the very iconic scene of Lindsay Wallace's house with Michael Myers, and he's just staring into uh, to- Tommy. What's his last name? Doyle's house, and that's where. Laurie Strode is and that is just like ah it's just such an iconic scene I couldn't not pick it and I'm dressed as Michael Myers yeah she has a she she went and got a full like Michael Myers like rubber mask you know she was only able to wear it for like five seconds because I think she was sweating from the inside it's hot uh, and I can't I can't talk or here so you know it doesn't work but but it looks awesome you know uh what about you Greg what do you got going on background I think is even a more iconic scene than the one Laura just described. Uh, I'm going to duck my head here. This is the one where Michael Myers gets underneath a white sheet and throws on some glasses. 
probably the funniest scene in the entire movie, which we will hopefully get to. Mm-hmm. That's my background. I'm drinking... I don't even freaking know what this is. Laura, why don't Laura, you describe my drink? Yeah, Laura has to do the drink. We, we, this, we've this we done something different this week. Usually every week we kind of have our own drinks and we say what they are. Uh, because this is Laura's pretty much month-long spooktacular we're doing. Uh, we've kind of let her, you know, make the drinks and decide what we're drinking for these weeks. So what are we drinking, Laura? We are drinking Judy Juice. <laughs> do you guys get that reference or... Uh, is there somebody named Judy in this movie? Oh, is it, wait, Judith? Yes. Uh-huh. Judith, Judith Myers? Is that her that's name? That's exactly, that's wow. my older sister. Yes, point for yep. me. Sweet. I won, I won the test. He okay. murders, and this cocktail looks like murky old blood. And so, yeah, I'm calling it Judy Juice because that's not only his first victim, but this movie is definitely known for not having a lot of gore and a lot of blood. And that's mm. actually one of the only scenes where you do see blood. We yeah, you see true. her blood. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're drinking. It is composed of uh, vodka, palm juice, blood orange, soda, and a squeeze of lime. So cheers. Nice. Cheers. L- let me throw this in there, too. I'm, I'm also I'm chasing this Judy juice with a, uh, a pumpkin ale. Called Howling Grounds. Look at that! Oh, nice pumpkin. That's out. beautiful. Cool. Very Halloween themed. I like it. I'm I'm just eating pumpkin pie, so you know that's <laughs> kind of what I'm going with. So yeah, <laughs> you know, it kind of goes together. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Uh, what what about your uh, little mask, Greg? You want to talk about your mask? Yeah, I made the Michael Myers mask out of two sheets of paper towels taped together. I mean, it sounds uh, janky the way I described it, but. I mean, it doesn't look too bad, right? No, it looks legit. It looks legit. I mean, we we got a, we took a picture. We'll put it up on Twitter and Instagram. But, uh, you know, Laura bought her mask, and I was literally like, "Greg's mask is better," and he drew it. It looks it looks awesome. It's you know? really badass. Um, yeah, for me, I'm just doing a you know kind of homage to you know little little Mikey, little Mikey when he was a little boy in the beginning of this movie, and I'm I'm just like a little clown. I have clown nose, and my clown glasses on. <laughs> Um, you know, little, What's little, little nose. It's What's, a little bit off. It's, no, well, well, it's well, a foot. Looks like there a you foot. Go. Is that better now? Okay. Oh, All right. Okay. You know, it's a little, does it, does it honk when you squeeze it? No, it, it just says kill, kill. <laughs> you know, that's all it says. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. hey, clown boy, I got to call you out about something right now. Oh, what's up? Are mm-hmm. you ready for this? You should be very nervous. Oh, okay. Uh, right. My sphincter your wife, is tightening. Mm-hmm. Your wife is in the other room and she just texted me. Mm hmm. And she said, I don't know why Rob is lying about me. I have a strict no Christmas before Thanksgiving rule. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dang. That's so messed up. Got wow. called so, out. I got called out, didn't I? Wow. Dang. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm dragging you tonight. So yeah, it's okay. the gloves it's are right. off. Mm-hmm. The gloves it's okay. are off. I, I, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. You know, uh, that was yeah. awesome. Live listener mm-hmm. feedback. This is right? cool. I know. I like it might, uh, never happened yeah. before. I know uh, my my marriage is imploding as we speak. It's so fun, guys! <laughs> Isn't it exciting for everybody? <laughs> oh man, okay. So let's uh, let's uh, we already did what's in the cups here. We're drinking a bit, you know. Uh, I'm reeling now internally and emotionally. Uh, so let's let's get to some listener updates right now. I think uh, Laura wanted to read a listener email we got from uh, listener Lindsay actually. She emailed in about Train to Basan. Uh, Laura, do you want to read that email? 
I do. I'm just going to point out uh, two things that she said, which we totally agree with. The first is, uh, listener Lindsay said, the game y'all played was cool, but Rob, you can't give any hints when it's down to the winning point. Greg was probably not going to win, but having the score tied like that and then giving Laura the hint about the name of the song in your quote, come on. She might have guessed wrong. You never know. Although <laughs> unlikely because Laura is pretty dang good at these games. You still got to give Greg a chance. So you know what? Noted, Lindsay. Uh, Rob is no longer going to give me hints and I am up for the challenge. So let's you know do I, need, it. I need the help desperately. Am, am I... Am I still allowed to give Greg like five point questions for the win at the end? Yes. Or, yes. Or, this so is that, not a two way street. So yeah. that's allowed. So I can help Greg all I want. I just can't help Laura. I so guess. That's exactly that's really what I get from that. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, she is dominating. It's like eight to three or something like that overall. Sure. Wins loss. So. But yeah, yeah, it's close. Yeah. Okay. And you know yeah. what? We we help those who are, uh, you know, the more unfortunate. So <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to extend a hand for equal opportunity here. Okay. Uh, moving on. She also had some really awesome feedback about the movie, the actual movie. Uh, and this was our episode 31. If you want to go back and check it out, if you haven't. And she mentioned that the death of Yun Suk, the butthole man that aggravates everyone else's fear. He instigates so much unnecessary trauma in the movie that you as a viewer realize how much you want him to die a very painful death. When it's finally time, he just gets thrown off the train. You don't even see his body hit the ground or anything. I would have liked to see more. You know what? Totally agree. I wanted to see that guy suffer and just blow up into smithereens. It's just something awful. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. You, you guys agree. were definitely not willing to, to empathize with his last few moments of, um, you know, thinking about his... his his mom Mommy. and his family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I was joking, you know, kind of like maybe off pod or off mic saying that, you know, like, Oh, I wish his family died too. You know? So <laughs> I, I went really dark. Yeah. You know? I really hated him. Yeah. He killed our boy. He killed our boy, man. He uh, did. Yeah. yeah. No going That's back. That's the worst. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so thanks listener. Yeah. Thanks listener, Lindsay, for the email. We always uh, love, you know, getting responses from you, you know, possibly other listeners if we ever get any, but uh, <laughs> it's mostly just her, <laughs> but we always look forward to it. So yeah, if anybody wants to email us in, you know, we'll read their emails on the pod. You know, you can hit us up conjecturing pod at Gmail, or you can hit us up Twitter, Instagram at conjecturing pod. Um, kind of moving on here. We wanted to announce something that I think we've kind of talked about on Twitter and Instagram a bit. The podcast network we've joined, Slash and Cast Network. Um, they're doing a Halloween virtual convention that's going to be held the 30th and 31st of October. Uh, we're going to hopefully, you know, submit a little like video that we're going to do. We're going to be kind of talking about uh, possibly maybe like our top five, you know, Halloween-ish characters uh, from movies. I think it would be pretty funny to do, pretty cool. I mean, our I think our lists are going to be pretty ridiculous, but it should be fun to do. So not you know, mine, just, mine. No? I feel like mine's so obvious, but I love how you threw in Halloween ish. That yeah. that says it all right there. Mm -hmm. It's like Different you know, Rob's coming. Stuff. Rob's yeah. coming with just like the most ridiculous mm -hmm. five characters. Yeah, like half Disney even. movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> mine might be that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Come on, you know, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah so we just want to shout out, you know, the convention they're going to be holding. You know, they they're going to be a lot of the podcasts on the network are going to be putting in videos. They're going to have special guests, celebrity interviews, some panels, exclusive clips, um, stuff like that. Um. So you guys can check it out on um slash ncast.net. 
that's where it's going to be at. It's 100% free, of course. Uh, you can check it out. You know, the YouTube channel, it's the same exact thing, Slash and Cast, you know, uh, YouTube channel. Um, so we just want to shout that out and kind of say we're super excited to be a part of it. And I'm excited to kind of like record that segment because it's going to be one of our first, I think actually our first video recording. We do little snippets here and there because we record on Zoom. This would be the first one we actually specifically record for video. So we got some ideas. It should be cool. <laughs> you know, um, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> don't be scared, though. Don't be scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do we got anything from last week's episode of Event Horizon? We were talking a little bit off mic, too, about that. You know, it turned into us yelling at each other a lot, which I thought was actually pretty fun. Um, it might be similar this week uh, from what I've oh kind of like been talking to Laura about so so we'll see but uh do you guys got anything else from Event Horizon I let it out on the table last last week so yeah okay it's good it's all there. But I thought you maybe know, I thought maybe Greg you researched like the amount of PSI force it would take to clamp that that little like uh oh, you know damn. steel thing and see if that was accurate or not that's but, a uh, that's a good good physics reference I like that mm-hmm. but I did not yeah. look that up no okay all right good okay all right look look you know, I, I always I always maintain that Look, I don't know, I don't know shit about advanced astrophysics, but my gripe with that movie was that they should have known. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Nothing more than that. I'm not saying I'm a genius. I'm just saying they should have known. I do have to say, though, I, you know, so many horror movies and Event Horizon absolutely is a great example of this. It's incredible the effect it has on you as time passes. Some of our scores that we've given horror movies that we've reviewed They've changed for me. I mean, we're going to eventually have to revisit and see if our scores have changed. Mm -hmm. Just the more time that's passed and the more we've been able to sit on it. And I can't say that about any other genre. If I watch a comedy, however I felt at the end of that comedy, it's funny. Did I like it? Yes. Did I not like it? Okay, no. That doesn't really change. But these horror movies... Even if there's something you didn't like in the beginning, I feel like a lot of the time... You think about it as it passes and you just think of the things that were so amazing and it really, um, you just start to overlook whatever nitpicky thing that you had the first go round. And I think I understand how Event Horizon did that and why these movies become cult classics. So I just had to say that I, you know, that's a shining example of perfect horror movie that has done that. And I think that the more I think about it, the more I like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get into the movie we're talking about this week. You know, maybe it's perfect, maybe it's not. We'll get into it a bit. But uh, we're doing 1978's Halloween. I guess the OG. The OG Halloween here. This was, of course, Laura's movie pick. She's picking all the movies this month. Me and Greg are kind of upset she's not picking Halloween H2O, but... You know, it's, yeah, it's okay. You. you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, Laura, so why, <laughs> why, so why specifically did you pick this one? You know, first, like you said, it's the OG. It's the first installment. It's a game changer for this. Not only the seventies horror scene, mind you. I don't know if you guys have realized this, but we haven't done any horror movie from the seventies yet. It's all been 80s. And is this the oldest movie that we've reviewed? This is the oldest movie that we've oh. reviewed. Uh, and it also Ooh. was a game changer for the independent film industry. Hmm. So this, this movie is just iconic. And if either one of you want to fight me on that, I- I'm dragging you tonight. So let, okay. let's go. All right. Well, go. all right. I- I'm glad. I-, I enjoy getting dragged. So it's fun. So was this happens. considered an indie movie? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's transition into our uh, horrorish segment of the week right now. Um, so let's see. What do we got for this week? I got a drop here. All right. So we got a question this week. We got a question. I think Laura actually came up with this question. Laura, do you want to do the question? I did. Yeah. What other actor's or famous person's face would you choose for Michael's mask? And this is instead of, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but um, the mask of Michael Myers actually is is the face of William Shatner. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, it's Captain Kirk's death mask. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Do you have your answer right away, Laura? Do you want to go first? I've got it. Then go for it. You know, it's so weird. I don't know why this popped into my head immediately, but it I really thought of this quickly. So I clearly have some unpacking to do with this, but I am choosing the face (laughs) of John C. (laughs) Riley. John C. (laughs) Riley. John C. Riley. Uh, he's like a 55 year old man. And although he has been in mostly all comedies and he is hilarious, I I love him. There's something about his face that looks somewhat menacing to me. Hmm. Um, which is funny because he's actually a very like tender man and you know, he does a great job at comedies. And, um, but I, I think if he was ever in a horror movie, like as the villain, he actually has been in one horror movie, but if he was ever the villain, I think it would be absolutely terrifying. It's something about like the scowl and the eyebrows. Mm. And then, you know, Michael's mask still has the hair going. Um, and he's got the best like froey, curly, crazy hair. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think that okay. would be pretty terrifying. Nice. Nice. I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's not a left field, but I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Greg? Did you come up with the idea for, what the face would be? Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I'm going to say he's just got a very unique mm-hmm. um, appearance. I think he, and it would, it would make her a very intimidating mask mold. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, uh, he just kind of appears out of the darkness and it's like Steve Buscemi's face. Boom. Scariest thing I've ever seen. Uh, that yeah, would be it's... pretty creepy. There, there's certain movies he's in where he does look really like weird, you know. Even if you yeah. take the one from Armageddon where he's like clearly went insane on the asteroid, like that alone is like horrifying. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like I'm gonna pick like I guess technically I don't know if he's an actor but an entertainer, but I'm gonna pick Carrot Top. You know, I think think Carrot Tops, I mean, talk about hair alone. Like, I mean, he's literally a life-size, you know, not Krusty the Clown, but uh, what was it? Sideshow Bob? Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Sideshow Bob. Like, you know, you you picture Carrot Tops hair and now he's had a lot of plastic surgery. Sorry if he's a listener, Carrot Top. I'm sorry if you're listening. But, uh, you know, your, your face has gone a little crazy now. I think if you see, if you see Carrot Top, like coming at you in the dark, like that face, like that's horrifying, you know. Oh. I think that's way scarier than John C. Riley and and Steve Buscemi, you know. And then and then also if he's bringing like his bag of tricks and bag of little like doohickeys he creates, like that's actually that might be a pretty good horror movie, you know. Mm. That's nice. pretty horrifying. All right, All you, right. Know? you know. Rob, what would you do if if somebody came out of the darkness trying to kill you, and it was the face of Justin Long as as the as the mask? Ooh. Oh wow, man! I would just be like, you let know, yourself get killed. No, I would. I would just be like, oh wow, I surrender myself to you, my overlord. You know, it'd be just. Oh, you know, 
wait a second, mm-hmm. is it Justin Long's face as in the skin of his face like Jeepers Creepers style? Or mm. is it Justin Long as Tusk? Oh, the Tusk one? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, come on. I don't, I don't, I don't want to caress that one. No, I mean the regular Justin Long. You know, I'll caress that all day long. It's like it's the Jeeper, it's the Jeepers Creepers Justin Long on the body of the Rock. You just didn't <laughs> let him kill you. Here. Oh wait, wait, wait a second now. <laughs> okay, wait, well, well, wait, Laura's Laura's chiming in now. No, okay, I, mm-hmm. I can't. I, no, I want the Rock's face. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm sorry, Justin. You, you I just, in, uh, I don't feel could've... for you the way Rob does. I'm sorry. It's just it's not you. No. Yeah, that's, it no, is sorry. you actually, mm-hmm. but you know. <laughs> Wow, this went really, really creepy. Yeah, okay. All right. It's <laughs> Rocktober. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Rocktober. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so good answers, you guys. Good answers. It went a little creepy, but good answers. Um, so uh, if anybody wants to email us in, let us know what celebrity or entertainer face they would kind of use to make a creepy uh, mask uh, with a rock's body, possibly. You can hit us up, ConjecturingPod at Gmail or Oof. Twitter, Instagram at ConjecturingPod. Or calm down, Laura, calm down. I am very excited right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's get into the let's get into the movie now. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's, let's keep going here. So uh, now it's time to oh, speak of this, put on the mask. Let's put on the mask and get to the movie this week. Um, it's not Justin Long. It's not Carrot Top. It's Mr. Michael Myers. So like we say, we're doing Halloween this week. Uh, it's nineteen seventy eight film. John Carpenter's director, of course. Uh, budget from this movie was three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Dang, that's like such a small oh, budget. That's crazy. And the yeah. box office was sixty to seventy million dollars. You know, and that's just—I mean, that's like opening, woo, woo. opening. You know, little theatrical run. I mean, this thing has went on to so many, you know, spinoffs and so many sequels and so many different things in this movie. It's crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got some interesting facts, Laura. Do you want to do interesting facts? Yeah. So I mean, budget of three hundred twenty-five thousand. This movie took less than two weeks to write. It was shot in 20 days on a very restricted budget, obviously. The cast actually had to wear all of their own clothes. So there wasn't even a budget for wardrobe. They all had to just come and have their clothes there. Uh, John Carpenter composed this famous score in four days. That's crazy. Wow. That's just, he's a genius. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, and we kind of already touched upon this, but there were two masks to choose from. The first was a smiling clown mask that they put frizzy red hair on. And then the other mask was a 1975 Captain James T. Kirk mask that was purchased for around a dollar. And it already had the eyebrows and sideburns ripped off. And then the face was painted fish belly white and the hair was spray painted brown. And then the eyes were cut to be opened up more. And so they tested out the Kirk mask and the crew decided that it was much more creepy because it was emotionless. Hmm. And that's where the Michael Myers mask came from. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Can you guys imagine the Michael Myers being a, a silly, happy faced clown? Yeah. Insane. I mean, I get why they made the right decision. Oh, for sure. But I do understand seeing the beginning of this movie, how that was kind of what they were thinking. Like, oh, well, he's into the clown masks. But yeah, yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I have one more thing here. Um, This is so interesting. 
For years after Halloween was released, people would tell writer-director John Carpenter how horrified they were by Michael Myers' grotesquely disfigured face, you know, glimpsed when Laurie pulls his mask off for just a moment towards the end of the film. But actually, all they saw was the ordinary face of the actor, Tony Moran, who's perfectly normal. And Carpenter cites this as evidence of the power of suggestion in cinema that the audience saw a monster on screen, so assumed that he must look like a monster underneath the mask. I think that is so interesting. Didn't he have like a little, like a scar? Like, I thought that his eye was like half closed. I thought he had some yeah. type of disfiguration. I thought he looked like Sloth from Goonies. I thought he was Sloth. He Rob, was a were normal we affected by this phenomenon? Man. Yeah. So, mm. No way. I mean, I'm sure he was making kind of a crazy face, you know, like mm-hmm. all wide-eyed. Like I get, I get wide-eyed, but... I mean, I hope you guys don't think I look grotesque and, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, he did, definitely didn't look like Quasimodo. I just thought that he looked like he hadn't seen daylight for 20 years. So Yeah, he kind of looked like John C. Riley. you know? <laughs> so, Damn, there you go. He kind of did, actually. <laughs> Maybe that's where I got it from. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Hmm. Uh, okay, uh, Laura, do you want to do cast? Yeah. So Dr. Loomis is played by Donald Pleasance, the best, oh, the best. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is Lori. Nancy Kyes slash Loomis as Anne. Uh, PJ Souls as Linda. Brian Andrews is little Tommy. And then we've actually got Kyle Richards. She plays Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Officer Brackett was played by Charles Cyphers. And then the man behind the mask, it was actually two actors who um, each, you know, had their parts of playing him. And one, it was actually mostly Nick Castle. And then Tony Moran would do a few scenes. But of course, he was the actor who ended up having the face when it actually does get taken off. So it's his scarred face. Yeah, his torp Yeah, face. I feel yeah. bad for that guy. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> Everyone thinks he's all fucked up looking. He's just a normal guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Laura, you can just keep talking. You can do synopsis. This is your month-long, you know, conjecture ween, Laura. So you can just keep going here. You want to do synopsis? Yeah, I need breaks to, like, take a breath. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Put your mask on. <laughs> okay. Uh, Halloween 1. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, the movie begins with five-year-old Michael Myers, who on Halloween night puts on his clown mask and then murders his older sister, Judith. Uh, He is sent away for 15 years? No, I'm starting to get my facts confused because I've watched so many of these. Yeah. And it's Halloween night again, and he is able to escape the insane asylum where he is at, and he sets his sight on three you know, teenage girls, more or less, and is is after them. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do a synopsis because, and I think even you guys, I know you guys haven't really seen most of the Halloween franchise, but I think we all know the backstory. I think it's like everyone knows that Laurie Strode is his other little sister. But wait, what? I'm, what? Wait, what are you talking about? Wait, what? You guys, what? Jamie Lee Curtis is his. Oh my fucking god! Sister, thanks. Spoilers, Laura. What the fuck? How is he? So this is like such a well-known fact that you guys have been living under a fucking Return to Oz rock because I don't know understand (laughs) how you don't know this. 
Emerald. <laughs> I've I've been chilling with the Gnome King, so I don't yeah. know any. I don't know shit about the real yeah. world. Greg, Greg has some red slippers on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I actually think fuck you guys really threw me here. Um, that's one of the biggest problems is that it is known the second that Halloween ends and Halloween two picks up, and for the many years since then, uh, we get the story that. Laurie Strode is actually his younger sister. But for Halloween 1, we do not know that. And so it's very random, which is, if you you can look at it both ways, it's good because it shows that there is evil in the world. And evil is random. You know, he breaks out, he, uh, he picks a random person, and that's that. That's kind of how these things work sometimes. But yes, the majority, and I think the majority of people listening know this, so... You guys might sound kind of dumb. Uh, it's, it's, it's a family thing. This is like a whole thing about him wanting to take out his family. And you will see that as the movies progress. Mm. I, I must, that, that part maybe didn't register. I mean, wow. I, 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 I mean, at least in my defense, like I'm the only one on this pod that actually is not like a horror horror fan. I didn't like watch horror movies growing up. So like I actually could say like I never heard this before because I don't watch these things. What Greg about has- when you watched H2O and she talks about how that's her brother and she literally goes like, hi, bro. And I, I don't know when it came out, which I was like in the fourth grade. So I don't remember shit. Mm-hmm. No, you weren't. If I could go see it in theaters, then we were not in the fourth grade. You were older. Mm-hmm. All I'm trying to say is I have an excuse, but Greg doesn't. That's all I want to say. Okay. Fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Rotten Tomato score, we're going to do real quickly up front here. Uh, we were pretty surprised how high these scores were. Well, I was. I wasn't. Uh, what? Yeah, I know Laura's not. Um, so the Rotten Tomato score for this movie is, uh, is audience score is 89%. Very high. And critic score is 96%. Yeah. So even higher. So even like, I mean, you're talking near perfect. I mean, geez, I mean, God, that is insane. Well, so can I break in and just remind you guys, this was the seventies. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to remember that. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. You know, and, and that's definitely going to like, you know, when we get into the movie more a bit, that's going to be part of my stuff is like, yeah, you have to look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. But Agreed. Still, like, I, I, you know, I know this has always been considered, like, one of the best horror movies, you know? Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was that high. I didn't think it was almost near perfect. You know what I mean? Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see when we get into the movie a bit. We'll see how stupid I look. This is going to be an interesting episode. We'll see if I quit the podcast at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if Laura pins me, you know, pins me against a wall and stabs me in the chest or something like that. This is yeah, great. Yeah. I feel like I'm already making you sweat. You look like you're sweating on Zoom. Oh, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm sweating. This is great. I like being scary, Laura. I know. I feel like I feel like you're stalking me this episode. You're just like lingering behind Trolling me at you. every moment. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I'll get you. Yeah. Yeah, I was was sending Rob like very threatening texts all day today. Like, I'm coming for you. I'm dragging you. (laughs) Don't fuck with me. I'll flip a table. (laughs) I know she's she's been like super aggressive and it's actually kind of frightening. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so let's get into the movie now. So, Laura, do you want to do you want to take the reins here? Yeah, you know, get out your get out your knives. All right. So let's talk through the opening of the movie. So I'm going to set it up for you guys here. We've got young Michael Myers, and he is at home on Halloween night, and he's with his older sister, Judith, and Judith's boyfriend. 
And uh, the movie begins with Michael putting on the mask of his clown costume and uh, walking up the stairs and brutally murdering his sister. So I want to hear what you guys think about this opening. We talk about openings a lot and yeah. they're mm-hmm. usually pretty shocking. And again, mm-hmm. remember this was the seventies. This was probably one of the first times that a movie opened with something this shocking. So what were your guys' thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I really liked this opening of this movie, like right away. I love the like first person, like point of view, you know, especially mm. when the, when little, little Mikey puts on his, you know, ha- Halloween mask, a little clown mask. And all you see is like the, the eye holes through the eye holes of the camera. I thought that was really cool. My only, my only negative to that was there's certain shots where the kid is like eight feet tall and he's like super tall. You could clearly tell it was like an adult filming the shot because he's like taller than a light switch and he's only supposed to be like five. I want to allow it. That's, but that's, uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's little, little nitpicky things. But, uh, but definitely I do like the opening. I thought it was, like you said, as much as like there's no blood in this movie, like the opening is pretty jarring. Yeah. So I actually, I really liked it. Awesome. What about you, Greg? My first question is, does John Carpenter put his name on literally everything that he touches? Yeah. <laughs> like John Carpenter's XYZ, every movie. Um, I didn't hate that, but I thought that was interesting and kind of funny. The opening scene was, was really cool. I was confused at who the hell Michael was to start off with. Um, the first time you hear it, you, you hear Judith say Michael's around. It didn't take me long to figure out that she's babysitting him. It's Halloween night and you see from the first person perspective that he's dressed as a clown. So he's clearly being left alone on Halloween night, which is kind of probably terrifying for a kid that young. Um, but I like, like you said, Rob, I love that first person perspective where they very deliberately put the camera behind them. He picks up a mask and they put the, the camera behind that. So you get his perspective. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I wasn't sure about, you know, when he, when he starts stabbing his sister, first of all, I was confused at like his motive. And this is something we'll talk about. I'm sure many times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why he was stabbing his sister, but okay, he does. But then he does this thing where he like looks up at his hand while he's stabbing her. I don't know why he did that. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. I thought the fact that maybe Greg, you don't Greg knows. Greg knows when he stabs someone, you don't you don't look at the knife. You just you make sure you're focused on you know the the, no, the on your target. I, yeah. I gotta cut in. If he's five years old, this is the first time he's ever killed anybody. You don't think a five year old is gonna look at the knife with the blood on it and be like, "What? Oh wow, what am I doing? This is so new for me." Yeah, I mean, he might. I mean, that was just one of many questions I had. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never been a five-year-old who's, who's murdered someone. I know Greg was, Greg was seven. Greg was seven. <laughs> I was seven. I had a couple of years uh, yeah. to figure that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. no. um, but I thought that not knowing what was going on or why he would, you know, because clearly she said, oh, Michael's around here. So, so she didn't suspect that he was a troublesome kid. He just out of the blue came up and shanked her to death, mm-hmm. which was very jarring. And I thought it was a very effective opening, you know, creating that mystery. I thought it was weird a little bit how, again, this is, so we, we talked about this a few times. Laura, you actually mentioned it. This was made in 1978. So a lot of things may seem outdated. The first thing that seemed outdated to me was the fact that the final shot of that scene 
kind of just lingered on for too long. Yeah. Hmm. They're mm-hmm. just looking at the mother, the, the father, oh, yes. and, 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 and Michael, and they're just looking at each other. It's not like the scene progresses. They're just, it's like a, almost like a drone shot mm-hmm. kind of floating away for about 20 seconds. And I'm like, okay, this scene is over. Why are you guys just staring at each other? <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, that's just, that's, that's the sign of the times. But other than that, yeah, really crazy, interesting opening. Yeah. Did you, did you guys notice though, like how fast the, the, the sister and the boyfriend had sex? Like, like how fast, okay. like, like, like they, I, I, they, they went from the couch to go upstairs yes. and have sex. And Michael, like, you know, was outside and watching and he like came through the kitchen and then like, you know, he's in the kitchen or something. And then the boyfriend's done. And I was like, it's only been like two minutes, dude. Like, why, you couldn't why last do you longer? think Michael's so upset? He's like, really? That's it? Fucking deserved to die. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Okay. You wanted more? Oh. I honestly <laughs> think, okay, look. This is, this is, uh, we honestly thought that I watched this with my wife, but this is, I honestly think, okay, look, let's be real. Okay. If you're going to sh- shoot a movie, you can't spend 20, 30, 45 minutes showing things like that. Okay. Well, I, you I can, think but that's a porno. You can't. Exactly. That's just a straight up porno. <laughs> so you kind of have to like make insinuations and use your imagination and think, okay, they clearly spent time together. Um, there's a little bit of a leap in there. You can't take it literally. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. probably just like a quick handy or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's putting his shirt back on, so they were definitely like getting into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you guys feel when they took his mask off and you saw like young Michael? And I mean, for me, this this was so, like, the sweet little boy actor. I mean, he looked so cute. I thought he looked cute. I thought he looked insane already. Really? Okay. <laughs> his his face was just almost like shock, you know, I guess in shock. Yeah. You know, but he wasn't like a cute, smiling little kid. He just looked like, like his face looked insane. Oh, so Rob, you're not upset that it was a little boy? You weren't like crying that a little, little <laughs> son boy went <laughs> I was like, why isn't it a little girl, man? Because the little girls are worse. Come on, you know? Yeah, that's true. I'm here to fuck shit up tonight, you guys. Just telling you. Okay. No, it's right. good. It's good. We're, we're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's roll. All right. Let's let's get going. <laughs> All right. So we pretty much move on and we get to know Laurie Strode. And we meet we meet a handful of characters in these next few scenes. Uh, we pretty much meet her and her friends. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a big, um, this is a big question as far as like characters and acting go. I think this is the best time to talk about it. So how did you guys feel not only about the characters themselves, but just just the acting in the scenes to follow? I hated everyone else in this movie besides Lori. Oh, okay. I, I hated them. I literally hated all her friends. They were all annoying. I hated their, I hated every word that came out of their mouth, you know? And I know Laura is going to say because they're female, but no, mm, that's yeah. not true because I hated the guy too. It is true. And I know it's just like, it's late seventies and it's the way that they talk and the lingo, but I just, I felt like the acting was horrible. I felt like they were all over actors. Mm. I felt like Lori, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis for being so young in this movie. What is she like 19 in this movie when she, yeah, she she was actually, she was the only teenager when this movie was filmed. And I don't know if that means she was 19 or 17 or what, but, um, yeah. So she's definitely the youngest person when this movie was shot. Yeah, I was expecting her to be like everybody else in this movie, you know, for the time, mm-hmm. you know, for the time, the acting, the age, you know, to be like, let's all be over the top. This is kind of what you do. Mm-hmm. She was great in this movie because I don't think I was expecting it, yeah. you know. And so, like, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was like, if I have to give her a rating, you know, out of five, she's like a 50. She was wow. so good in this movie. And I was so surprised. But everybody else, I I was 
hor- horrified. Yeah. They were horrible to me. And I couldn't believe it. And I was so glad that they died. Every time one of them got wow. killed, I was so happy. I was so happy. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I think. You know, there you go. There you go, Laura. Jesus. This is chew on really that. Chew on, chew on that, Laura. I don't need to chew on it. I'm spitting it right back in your face. All right, Greg, what about you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't know that, 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 that that's my thing. So huh? oh, <laughs> it's God. back on you. Huh? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not surprised because when we watched Nightmare on Elm Street, you hated the actresses so Mm-hmm. badly and i didn't mm-hmm. think they were bad i just thought they were right for that time mm-hmm. which i thought the same with this movie but i thought i remember watching it thinking rob's gonna hate this acting mm-hmm. wow. um so yeah i, di- I didn't want to shout it out but like i i call it a, a nancy They're, they were doing a nancy from nightmare on elm street yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i look this is something that you have to it's like a filter you have to place in front of your brain on every aspect of this movie and, and, and that filter is what was going on at the time? What were movies like at the time? And you have to almost do a time travel. So I felt like I was able to do that a little bit. And all of the gripes that I had about the acting, I tried to let it go. Um, they were a little bit cheesy and overacted at times, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I was able to get past it. I, you know, stepping this, I would say the thing that I liked the most, I loved their, their little girl talk. Their, their banter that they would yeah. go back and forth throughout the movie that felt very real to me so regardless of how overacted it seemed that just seemed very natural to me and it was um i w- that really resonated with me it felt like i could not like i could relate but they just they seemed very human and they felt yeah. very normal to me um again and, and the last thing i would say about the acting is is dr loomis he was kind of one of my favorite characters i thought that he did such a great job yeah he seemed very serious, very earnest, very, um, very forthright with the police officer. Like he really cared about the evil that he might be releasing mm-hmm. into the world by letting Michael Myers go into this suburban, innocent town. Um, but overall, yeah, the, Loomis was my favorite. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis killed it and her friends, while a little bit super silly, and over the top um together it 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 felt okay to me yeah yeah i agree especially about loomis um i mean he was so believable you just felt it you felt how it was i totally bought into the fact that he had been with michael for all these years and knew what he was and knew that no one really believed him when he was trying to explain what like how evil he was and how it's not even a person at this point. I mean, he he said that a few times, like, it's just not even a man. It's just, it's nothing. There's nothing behind those eyes. He says, mm. um, I, I, I will say, I agree. I mean, the acting was over the top. Uh, it, it was very seventies, but as you guys know, I always harp on acting, so I'm not going to let it go. It, it was, it was over the top, but the thing is, and I'm not surprised Maybe you guys didn't pick up on this, but I mean, we'll talk about this later. This movie is very iconic for many reasons, but one of the big things about this movie is that this was one of the first movies to have a quote unquote final girl. And Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you guys both recognize how well Jamie Lee Curtis did. She was very young. This was never really done before this was the first time that this concept was done and then it was adopted by like literally nine out of ten horror movies after this um and and you know she was smart without being 
I, it's not like she was raised on a camp where they learned how to be survivalists. <laughs> I mean, this was like a normal girl and, but she was still smart yeah. and believable. But the thing is, is that in the seventies and for generations before that, women weren't always shown very well in movies. And I think any horror movie that came out in like the fifties, sixties and even seventies, you know, women were just shown as dumb and meek and can't handle themselves. And the thing that this movie did was it actually kind of respected women in that, yes, they were over the top actors, but Annie and um, Linda, oh my God, I already forget her name. <laughs> the other one, the booby <laughs> one. Uh, they were funny as hell. And mm. and so it, it made it so it was like, they're very relatable. They're women that I would be friends with in high school. They're, they're funny. They... Like their banter, that's banter I would like to have with friends. I mean, the way they talk about boys and they're like, yeah, ha ha, fuck them. I'm going to fuck this guy, but he's dumb. And I mean, I don't know. As a woman, I'm like, I'm here for it. I like that. That To me, oh. that's hmm. you writing the script, essentially respecting women enough to have them. That's what they're talking about. That's the subject matter. So, yes, I agree that acting is not great, but. I'm just looking at this movie for all it did for cinema after this. And I think that for horror movies and for the seventies, they were smart girls and they were funny. And for me, I thought that was likable. It didn't offend you. I, I mean, I just thought of this right now is their discussions revolved around males. Cause I think, I feel like some people would be offended that, Hey, yeah, they had a lot of that um, very casual conversation, but the fact that it had to do with guys, maybe that's it, it, it's kind of like um, it subverts the their their empowerment. Right. But then look in high school, what what person isn't interested in the opposite sex? Right. Or just any they're just interested in anybody. Right. I mean, it doesn't even have to be the opposite <laughs> sex. It's it, you're just you're kind of hormones are racing. You're just you're having feelings for people in general. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that didn't bother me because I know they are in high school. And I mean, I'll admit it. I was freaking boy crazy in high school. Um, I, I feel like I can't, I can't, I feel like I can't argue with you. <laughs> I feel like I know. You, you setting the line of like respect. So I agree. You really can't. So therefore mm. the only thing we can talk about is just the acting in general and not the characters. But that's another problem because like Greg said, there's this filter. This was the 70s. And I mean, yes, Jamie Lee Curtis stole the show, but they were all actually considered very talented actors for this time. I know wow. it's crazy, but you look mm -hmm. at reviews and that's what they say. So, yeah, well, like you said, it, it was the era, you know, that right. was. Exactly. Kind of like the way that you acted in the era, you know, like we talked about with Nancy in that movie, and that's very similar to the way she acted. It's just like over the top. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's move on to Michael's actual breakout scene. Um, let's talk about just like him breaking out and then let's go into him stalking them. I want to hear mm. your guys' thoughts on those couple scenes. I thought the breakout scene was pretty creepy. Yeah. You know? Oh, uh, yeah. I thought that was like one of the, not one of the creepiest scenes because there's a lot of creepy scenes, but, uh, you know, uh, I think the, right when they show like the patients, inmates, whatever you want to call them, like in the rain and it's like the headlights are hitting them and then the lady's like, oh, I didn't know they lit them out. And I'm just like, what? 
and it's like it i laughed for a second and then and then i got serious because i put myself in that position and i was like oh shit that would be really fucked up yeah it's just like inmates in this insane asylum were wandering around the grounds Mm. you know and then of course you have the the you know what scene where I didn't even know it was Michael at the time, of course, but you have, you know, Michael climb like onto the top of the car from the back, which is creepy because there's a split second where he is like on all fours mm. and it gave me like the willies because I really don't like that body. Oh, like, yeah. No form that way. Um, I thought it was like really creepy. Um, so it did this, this whole like scene uh, with the breakout and, you know, taking the nurse lady and, you know, trying to strangle her was, you know, was, was pretty horrifying to me, even though I thought she was really dumb for rolling down her window. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, people don't make the smartest decisions, but what about you, Greg? Yeah, that was, that was a really creepy scene when you see all the inmates kind of just um, aimlessly wandering about at night, kind of in the field. That was, oh man, that, that was, it definitely was one of the creepiest scenes in the movie. Um, I I loved this scene because it's almost like after you get the flashback of him killing his um, sister a- as a child, it, this is a flash forward 15 years into the future. And, th- and then it kind of shows you the, the Halloween logo, which was already cool. And it's like the day before Halloween and it's 15 years later. And he's about to get brought in front of a judge, I guess, mm-hmm. to see if he re- can be released um, on good behavior. And you get kind of a backstory of the doctor saying, well, I don't want him released because he's basically like evil incarnate. He has no sense of right or wrong. Mm-hmm. He can't be reasoned with. He's devoid of any kind of conscience. So he needs to remain here. So it was a good setup seeing the doctor drive with the nurse to the uh, the sanitarium to try to, to pick him up. Um, I also, I remember the first thing that I thought when this scene opened up was, I really do miss a good rainy scene. Yeah. It's just, I I don't know, maybe it hasn't been done a lot in recent movies, but just having a hard downpour really sets the tone Mm -hmm. for um, a a scary scene. And then, like you said, Rob, when you have people out in the rain not really paying attention to it, it even makes it more creepy. Um, But yeah, yeah, very well done. One thing I was curious about is, did you guys notice that when he, when Michael Myers jumped out of the car, okay, before he commandeers the car and drives away, mm-hmm. did he have like a wrench in his hand? Is that how he broke through the window? Did you see that? No. So, I, uh, so. so. I, I actually read about this and uh, what it is, is the scene where Michael breaks the glass, that that's how they did the effect when he breaks the glass. You're not supposed to see the wrench. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I thought it. No. I thought you he was like he learned to be that? a mechanic. No, I I, I, oh I read that they God. they said that that the wrench is on his hand, but I yeah. think they said that they painted the wrench a flesh color, so you're not supposed to like really see the wrench. Whoa! And this that's is, how he breaks. It was the glass. so obvious to me. It's literally like in his hand. I thought, oh, he, because he's he becomes a mechanic he later on. A mechanic? Wait, he becomes a mechanic. Wait, wait, Rob, did you notice this when you first watched it? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I just read about it. You guys I was like, oh, okay. I didn't no. see it. I didn't see I've it. seen it this movie a thousand times. I've never seen this or heard about this. So you are blowing you gotta, you gotta watch my it. mind. It seems so clear to me. His hand like floats in front of the. Wouldn't I? Thought, oh, he learned. He read some automotive repair book. This is how we learn how to drive. I thought oh, when he drove the station wagon away, I thought 
Yo, he couldn't speak for 15 years. How was he able to drive like a car? No, people talk about that a lot. Like, how does he? He doesn't know how to drive. So <laughs> I, I know that inmates in in um in places like this where you're being um treated for long term illnesses, mental or physical, you have the option to you have libraries available to you. So maybe he picked up like an automotive you know book and learned about cars and. Somehow we found a wrench, and I thought that's how he broke into it. But you're saying that was just like an effect that was yeah, meant to. You were supposed to see the wrench. Uh, all my brain has seen for these uh, God funny. knows how many years and how many times I've seen this is like a giant Dwayne Johnson rock hand just fucking boom breaking mm-hmm. the window. That's what I see. Oh wow! Wow! You you didn't see the foreshadowing that he wanted his lifelong dream was to become a mechanic, like Greg said. <laughs> Yeah, he just wanted to be a mechanic this whole time. Wow. <laughs> I literally thought that that had like canon to it. So, okay. My bad. Okay. That's funny. All right. <laughs> okay. So that, that debunked my wow. question. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so moving on. So how did you feel about his stalking? Like his daytime stalking of Lori and the girls? <sighs> it's it's definitely the, as much as like the creepy asylum and the guys in the rain is like creepy. Like, you know, the stalking is just fucked up. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> like he was like the OG, like you know, whatever you want to call it, like you know, like original stalker. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, some of them are somewhat funny, you know, where the one where he's hiding behind the bush and he tries to like go back, and yeah. I kind of laughed a bit. As much as it is creepy, it's kind of funny. Um, the 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 one where he's actually like outside her window in the sheets. That's my yeah. Zoom background today. That one is just mm-hmm. horrifying because he's just like standing there. Um, so I thought his creepiness of just like stalking her and not even being like he's trying to hide about it. He's like up on, he's not even on, you know, he's on Front Street. He's just like, hey, I'm following you. So you might as well just like get with it. You know, he's not even, <laughs> you know, like even, even when he's like following them in the car, he's not even like a car length back. He's just right behind them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, man, you should have like, you know, read another book besides auto mechanics, read something about like stalking or, or like, you know, like police procedures and, you know, know how far you're supposed to stay back so you're not seen. But it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I literally thought I, I never like if you would have told me that there, there would be a movie where there's just a guy standing, you know, maybe 100 yards away. And that's all he's doing. He's just standing and staring at you. You couldn't with a million dollars convinced me that that would be scary <laughs> until I saw this movie. <laughs> I thought that this was far and away the the best part of the movie. When really? he's literally just standing and it's either like your background right now where you see kind of his silhouette. Mm-hmm. There, there's something about the way that he stands or the way that he walks, uh, you know, maybe that's partially credited to the actor but just the way that he does it was literally that i've never seen a movie do it better than this this is what i wanted jeepers creepers to be like when they drove past that well and they saw the guy the creeper looking out at them where they where we all agree that they they kind of didn't do a good job Mm -hmm. i think they were trying to do what michael myers succeeded in this movie anytime they showed him just like when Laurie Strode was in, in her classroom and she looked out the window mm. across the street behind the station wagon, just staring at her. Not even ducking, though. Not ducking. Just not standing even there. Ducking. He's not trying to hide. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> There's just something about maybe it's part partly the cinematography, part of the acting. It's just so creepy to me. I thought that was fantastic. And I was creeped out 
every single time, and that was definitely a unique aspect of this movie that I've yeah. ever seen. I'm so glad that Greg associated this movie with Jeepers Creepers. That just like They're makes my not, heart flutter. I mean, like they are they should never be spoken <laughs> of in the same like month. I mean, what what are you doing, Greg? Well, what I'm saying <laughs> is that it, I think that Jeepers Creepers tr- was trying to pay homage or try to to replicate the 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 this notion of someone watching you from afar yeah. and it feeling feeling very unsettling which they succeeded in okay what about what about you laura what did you think of the creeper in this movie oh man i mean i i i feel like i'm gonna be very repetitive tonight because i it's just iconic it this this was the first time anything like this was done and there are so many horror movies that do this after this movie and so whether you like it or not i mean it's incredible that this is the first time we've seen anything like this. So, so yeah, I mean, I, for me, when I watch this movie and especially when I see these daytime creeper scenes, all I do is think about all the movies that have come out since that do it. I mean, just off the top of my head, like for example, there's a scene in the very popular movie. It follows where She's sitting in a classroom and looks out the window and sees something approaching her in the daylight. And I mean, it's it's almost exactly like this scene. Um, and yeah, I just think that, I, you know, none of us are going to know what it's like to see this movie right when it came out because, you know, we weren't around then and we hadn't been um, we weren't in the audience of never seeing anything like this and seeing what that effect could have been. But I just think about how so many movies have touched on this since. And yeah, I mean, it is just, it's horrifying. I mean, if I put myself in Lori's shoes and I was in the classroom and looked up and someone with, with a mask was just standing there, like staring at me, I, I would, well, first of all, I would get up and be like, there's someone out there. Oh my God. Like, you know, <laughs> does nobody else see the masked man, you know, not more than 50 yards from us Actually, across and the this- Oh, this does bother me. It does bother me that she like has to talk herself out of seeing him later. Like, okay, I've seen him a bunch of times. You're going crazy. It's like, no, no girl. Like if you see somebody say something. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone listens to this and takes a lesson out of this episode, <laughs> if you see something, say something, don't be like, I'm crazy. I'm making it up in my head. No. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's true. All right. Well, let, let's kind of move on to later in this in this on this Halloween night. So um, we move on to Lori. She's babysitting young Tommy and and Annie is babysitting young Lindsay. And, uh, you know, Linda is just there to fuck around. Um, so let's just kind of talk about <laughs> the night, you know, kind of leading up to the deaths and the deaths of certain characters. Um, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Would you like? What stood out to you? I mean, first of all, I want to shout out these kid actors. Oh, I thought yeah. these two kid actors, the whoever, whatever their names are, that did Tommy and 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 Lindsay, I thought they were really great for mm. kid actors. I thought they were, you know, not over the top. Like they were pretty solid for, especially for kid actors. So I just wanted to shout them out. I thought they were better actors than some of the adults in this movie easily. <laughs> you know, I agree. Yeah, they're good. What else? What do you got, Greg? Yeah, um, I, I think that the main thing that you, that you get from this movie from the beginning is that Lori is different from her friends. Her friends are very, like, um, like outgoing and extroverted and maybe promiscuous, you could say. But her, it seems like her priorities are studying. She, you know, she talks about reading and she thinks that she's, she finds that the, the boys at 
she encounters think that she's too smart for them. Um, so her, her focus is almost like on her self-respect and her education, whereas her friends more or less just want to have fun. So she's kind of struggling between wanting to join in on that and um, being more like straight laced. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's kind of the struggle you see. So th- this whole movie takes transpires over one single night, Halloween night. So her friends are, are planning to get together, make out, do stuff that teenagers do. And she's kind of stuck babysitting and she kind of wants to partake in it, but she doesn't know how. And at the same time, she's seeing this uh, masked guy you know, around everywhere. And she doesn't know if she's going crazy or not. So I thought it was a pretty cool setup. Um, so th- there's almost like multiple stories going on. There's this story where you see the, the teenagers planning out their day, which is kind of cool, and planning out their night. Oh, we're going to go see this boy or that boy. We're going to go hang out, watch scary movies. And then there's also the other story of the doctor, Dr. Loomis. He comes into town and he meets the sheriff, which happens to be the father of, who is it, Linda? Linda is one of uh, Lori's friends. And they pretty much set out to try to figure out where the hell is Michael Myers. We, we know that he's coming to this town to just kill people because he's insane. So you have like these two stories going on at the same time, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just jump into the next few deaths in this movie. I mean, obviously Lori's friends are next up on the list. Um, so did any of those deaths stand out to you guys? What did you like? Would you not like? They were all really good deaths. All of them. Yeah. All of them were really solid. And, and the whole thing with this movie, you know, I don't even know if we talked about it, is the pacing of mm. this movie is so yeah. different than anything I've ever seen. Mm. I don't. I honestly was thinking about this today. Like, I don't know if this same exact movie was released today, if it would be as good as it was back then. Because nowadays everything is about, you know, speed and fast and how many shots can you get in? How many kills? And this whole movie is just so slow and methodical. And that's why, honestly, it took me two times watching this to really appreciate it. Mm. The first time watching this movie straight through, I was like, this is kind of boring. Like nothing's happening until the end. But the second time I kind of like started appreciating what they were trying to do trying to make you like feel like the, the the slowness of the movie itself in association with the slowness of Michael stalking you, you know, which is so cool. It's something like I've never really seen. Like I said, I don't even know if that would work today if they did it again. But that's just something that's so like prevalent in this movie. So like when it gets to the point when the kills start happening, it's so, I don't want to say gratifying is the right word, but you're like kind of not happy. It's where I don't want to say happy either, but you're so. Um, There's a payoff. There's, a, There's payoff. a payoff. Exactly. Payoff. Exactly. There's a payoff finally to what you've been kind of going through this whole movie. And the kills themselves are just great. You know, every single one is different than each other, which is really cool. And every single one is, you know, it gets more gruesome as they go along. Mm-hmm. So I, I love every single kill. I don't know if you guys want to spot out the kill specifically, but yeah. I just, I'll just say overall, like, they're all great. Well, I, I do want to kind of jump in and say that a lot of people uh, have said that this movie was kind of one of the first ones to, to master that slow burn. And so I think that that's probably what you're picking up on is it it was a real slow burn. And I mean, yeah. we always recognize when movies do that now, 
but I mean, this one was like the ultimate. It really is. It's, oh yeah. It's this so... was like this was like this was like a snail burn. It was like so slow. Yeah, and I I'll just Greg, I, I definitely want to hear what you have to say about these deaths, but I just have to jump in and say that um I loved uh Bob and and Linda's deaths. And maybe Greg, maybe you'll want to talk about those ones, but I I hated Annie's death. I thought that was just like, all right. Oh, in the car? Like that did nothing mm. for me. But the other two deaths were so badass. And they are they are the two <laughs> that I think of most when I think of this movie. You know what the first thing that that really so we're talking about the deaths and the and the the pacing of this movie. Shit, Rob, you hit it on the head. Like the way that I thought about this movie was exactly what you just said. There was a time where okay, it, it, it's we're talking about like an hour and a half in the movie, and we haven't really seen a death in the present time yet. We're just seeing a lot of Michael appearing and disappearing, and people seeing him. There's a lot of that, right? Um. It's I, the only way that I can compare this is like there was a time I think early la late last year where I stopped drinking soda for a long time, and and it went on for like three or four months, and I realized I don't need <laughs> you. And you killed a person. <laughs> I killed a person. <laughs> There's okay. Look, let me just explain. Like this is gonna sound totally off the wall, right? Ca caffeine is like a drug, okay. And I, I feel like modern horror movies are also like a drug, okay? Because we <sighs> have a very short attention span, so we're expecting cut after cut, and we expect our attention to be almost like TikTok to us in every moment, right? There was a scene where the girls were like chatting away and walking down the street early on in the movie, down the sidewalk, and the camera was still on. And it went on for about 20 seconds. And I remember thinking, okay, cut now. This is uncomfortable. This needs to, This shot needs to end. And I started thinking, oh, well, this is bad editing, but it's not. That's just my like OCD attention span of a modern horror movie watcher kicking in. Hmm. And after that, it started to make me think that I really appreciate the pacing of this movie. You kind of calm down, <laughs> you know, at, when it starts to slow down and it gives you the suspense, you relax and you realize like, this is the way of, of explaining horror movies and and giving you the suspense, really, but like this this slow burn, and it really makes you appreciate it. Um, so even before you see the the death of Linda or Annie, it's you feel I, I don't know I felt like a gratitude toward being like calmed down. It was almost like the third month of me not drinking soda. It was like, wow, I don't really need this. So that when that first death comes or like when I finally drink a, a, a canned ice cold Coca-Cola with my McDonald's cheeseburger four months <laughs> in, I really appreciate the taste of that sugar rush much more than me drinking it every single day. So like those deaths actually mean something mm. and you really appreciate those scenes, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, though, like. Greg, I don't know anyone that would have used the same analogy as you just did to compare the deaths in 1978's Halloween to you giving up soda for three months and then having a nice cold fountain Coca-Cola from McDonald's with your okay. cheeseburger. That was the fucking funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's literally how, I, how I'm thinking about it. it, it it's so true, oh, though. Oh, man. Uh, I remember like it, it really is like a, a decompression. Mm -hmm. I was watching the movie and I, and you almost feel like your heart 
because you, your heart and your blood pressure is like waiting for the next moment to cut. You're waiting for the camera to cut to the next scene. You're waiting for this like snappy, okay, this is what's going to happen. But when I started to calm down, I thought, oh my God, I, I love the pace of this movie. And I missed that. I really, I truly missed that. Yeah. I mean, I just want to quickly recap their, the deaths real quick. Uh, we mentioned that Annie dies in the car. She basically gets strangled by Michael in the car. Um, it's really cool because when she first gets into the car, it's all fogged up. And as most people know, when a car's fogged up, it's because someone's been breathing in there. And so she's, oh yeah. She's like, oh yeah. Wait, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. Uh, so our, our next death is Linda and Bob and they're like the fucking, they just want to do it every way from Sunday in this movie. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're willing to, um, come over to some stranger's house where their friend is babysitting the child to just to find a place to do it. Like get creative, you guys. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I know I was going to say, does anybody know what room they were in? Was that like the parents of, uh, yeah, they Lindsay's? didn't give a shit. I hope that wasn't like her room. That was creepy. That was you know? really weird. Did you guys, did you guys catch this? There's a scene where Bob and Linda are in the van. I know what you're, know what you're talking they're about. In, they're in the yes. van. Yes. And they're drinking the beers and they have a little back and forth about like, I'm going to take your clothes off and I'm going to take your clothes off. And then for some reason, the very last line, Bob yes. says, and then we're going to take Lindsay's clothes off. Not okay. Not okay. Right? I I didn't Not hallucinate okay. that, right? No. I had to rewind that a couple of times and figure out that's what they said yeah yeah that's right that's said. not okay like do, do are we all are we all we're definitely all in agreement that that's horrible that's i mean horrible. this girl is this girl's like eight years old or five yeah. years old but do, i mean they're that fucking must not around have, but that's not okay she laughed though she laughed do you feel like that that was in the script or do you feel like maybe that was Ooh. just improvised and nobody caught it that was so weird. That, I feel like why would call out? I don't know. Because why would John Carpenter and I, I, I forget who his writing, I forget who wrote it with Deborah him. Hill. I know it was. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they even write that in the script? Right. Like, do they think that's funny? I don't think so. So I wonder if that was just a back and forth and he said it quickly and nobody caught it. I don't know. Maybe somebody out there knows. I have no idea. But it was. I, I, I know that humor evolves over time. Right. Yeah. What was funny now was not funny. You know, what isn't funny now, rather, yes. was hilarious 15, 20 years ago. Ditto for that time and the 20 years prior. However, I don't know that this joke is funny in any era. No. no. So I, I actually think <laughs> no. that when he says, oh, yeah, you're going to rip my clothes off and we're going to rip off the clothes of the girl. I have to think that he just got the name wrong when he was saying his lines and no one caught it. Like he meant to say Annie or something like, like Annie. Yeah. Annie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. This isn't like, this isn't a Woody Allen movie. So this isn't, this isn't going to play. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go with that story then. I'm going to go with the <laughs> fact that they messed up the line because yeah, that, that was something that I clearly just blocked out. Cause I was like, that is not okay. It took me out of the whole movie actually, because I had to rewind and think, did he just say what I think he said? Do I not know the, the characters? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what? Fine. Linda and Bob die, so we're we're good there, right? They didn't rip off yeah, yeah. <laughs> underage <laughs> person's clothing. Yeah. Michael was it. like, "That was a bad joke." Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just want to quickly spotlight their deaths because they're freaking amazing. Bob gets mm -hmm. it first. He, they, him, and Linda have sex because this movie is oh, actually one of the first horror movies to bring sex appeal to the movie. 
Yes, mm. fact check that shit. And many horror movies since then have brought that whole like sexiness, sex appeal to their films. So, like like Tremors, mm-hmm. like Nightmare on Elm Street, especially. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but anyway, you know they they have sex, and then of course right afterwards, uh, Linda rightfully so is like, "Get me a fucking beer." Douchebag, like, go get it. What are you doing? Douchebag. Yeah, like, what are you good for? I wish, I, I wish she said douche. I wish she said douchebag. I would have liked her character a lot. Yeah. Where she said douchebag. Uh, so he goes downstairs, you know, into the stranger's house to pull a freaking beer out of the fridge. Um, and Michael, and actually, I want to point out real quick. I don't know if you guys liked the vibe of the movie, how the lighting was really low. Is that something that you guys liked? Um, I mean, very yes. dark. I, it was very, yeah. you know, there there were a lot of shadows. He would kind of come out of the shadows. So that's something that worked for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it adds to the whole creepiness. It adds okay. to creepiness. I'm about to blow your minds. They oh, wow. did not intend for this. Their budget was so low. They had no money for lighting. So a lot of these scenes where things are really dark or his masks, his mask comes out of the shadows or whatever it's because they just didn't have budget for lighting and the wow, movie is just dark but it worked oh yeah some of some of my favorite scenes are like because of the shadows yeah so so that's insane that it was just like oh well we stumbled upon that it's like an know, accident yeah. yeah 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 so wow, so anyway that was a big thing for bob's death is uh, michael myers kind of pops out um he it picks him up and then stabs him into the wall. So he is hanging with just a knife attaching him to the back of the wall. And it's a very iconic scene that has also been ripped every which way from so many horror movies is that Michael then just kind of looks at him and he tilts his head one way and then he mm. tilts it the other way. He's just, he's admiring his work, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my absolute favorite is he has to come upstairs and finish off Linda. Um, and so he, for whatever reason, <laughs> puts a, puts a fucking, this is actually Greg's background right now. He puts a sheet over himself and then he puts Bob's big, like, Coke bottle glasses on top. And he just, you know, he's like seven feet tall. He just stands in the doorway with the sheet and the glasses and Linda's trying to break the joke and she shows her titties, which everyone fucking loves that scene. Um, and she's trying to get him to do something and he's just standing there because what would, what would Michael Myers do? He just stands there. He's not going to do anything. Uh, so then she decides her next best move is to make a phone call. Don't really understand that part. So she turns Mm. her back to him and he comes up behind her and he ends up strangling her with the cord of the phone. And that's kind of, and, and she's actually calling Lori Strode at the time. And so Lori picks up and she's like, are you fucking around? Because all she hears is like the moaning and the gasping for air. So two, two really big for me, actually, that those deaths were like the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, have either of you guys ever actually cut out holes of a blanket to put, you know, like eye holes no. or anything like that? Have you? No, like it. I've done it. It's not actually easy to do. So, like, I wish they would have showed the scene where Michael Myers is, like, trying to cut the eye holes out of the blanket. I mean, you know he used the knife. 
he's not going to be like, let me go get scissors. And he'd be like, how? I just thought it'd be a funny scene to show like him cutting out the eye holes of that costume because it's like, I mean, one, it's like, it's one of the funniest scenes in this movie when, oh, yeah. he, when he appears with a blanket on his head and you're like, what the, like, what is happening here? You and know? he's got the glasses over the sheet. It's yeah, so exactly. It's you know? so good. I like, laugh audibly yeah. when when he comes to the drawery with that with that getup. Yeah, it, it's just like it's such an iconic like scene, and it's just something like you know I just picture in my head like him trying to cut out the eye holes and getting frustrated and like <laughs> stabbing Bob five more times because he's angry, you know, and then he finally like, comes Why upstairs. Is this yeah exactly yeah yeah oh man. oh man so good but, but like you said laura like her, both those death scenes they're they're so iconic and they're so good and oh my god like you know the way that he stabs bob and like you said just lingers and looks at him is so creepy mm-hmm. um and, and such a good kill um and, and i was so surprised that they didn't show blood either you know, I was just assuming that they were going to show blood like dripping down his leg and they didn't. So I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. They didn't need it. I know they didn't. It didn't need it, you know? Yeah. And then strangling strangling her with the cord I thought was pretty cool too and pretty gruesome. Yeah. You know, especially like we, I, I know we're going to talk about music a little bit later, Yeah. but does that kind of go hand in hand with the actual like, you know, sound effects of this movie? Like the actual like breathing he does yeah. like in the mask through this whole movie and especially in that scene where he's strangling her and you can like hear him like, you know, grunting, he's grunting, he's, he's gasping for air. He's struggling to strangle her yeah. and it makes it so much more effective and you feel it so much more like hearing him, you know, in the mask. Right. It's just so well done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we, okay. Rob mentioned music. I think now is a good time to bring it up. I mean, really after their deaths, what you have for the rest of the movie is just the Michael Laurie showdown. It's, you know, she kind of becomes aware of what's going on. She realizes that her friends are dead and that Michael does exist. He's this masked man and he is there and now he's after her and she has to protect the kids. And this is really, I mean, you've been hearing the music from the beginning credits, but this is really when the music kicks in. So I, I think it's it's time to just kind of talk about this, the last third of this movie and the music and their showdown. So I definitely want to hear, um, I'm assuming all positives from you guys, you know, I'm not expecting any negatives here. So let's hear all the good no, stuff. I mean, I mean, it could have been in like a little like, you know, a little more base to it. No, I'm joking. It, it's pretty much perfect. It's, it's like, perfection. you know, yeah. it, it's, it is. It, it's it. I mean, it's the most iconic. I mean, you could say it's almost one of the most iconic sounds, you know, that's ever been made in history. Like anybody that hears like those like little like tones in a row, you automatically it's on the scale there with jaws Mm -hmm. you know it's like you know when you hear that what that is Mm -hmm. and so the music you know i put in my notes the music is a character in this movie you know the the music the music itself is like what gives you some of the the anxiety Mm -hmm. in the first third maybe half of this movie when not a lot is going on Mm. where it's building suspense but the music is making you anxious so the music itself, I mean, it's amazing that what you said, he he made this score in like four days or something like that, yeah. you know, like that's just crazy, you know, but yeah, the music is great. But like I said, you know, to me, a lot of the, the sub sounds or the actual like sound effects in this movie 
is right on par with it. Like we talked about the breathing of Michael in the mask. Mm -hmm. There's so many scenes where I would have to turn up my volume because Michael would just be standing there. And I think like, okay, nothing's happening, but you actually listen and it's just him breathing in the mask Mm -hmm. and it's like echoing. And that's just so creepy. Or even every time that Michael would like normally go for a kill or go for like a creepy scene, there would be like a piano hit and it would be super high pitched. Mm -hmm. And it was just enough to like make you kind of jump a bit because you're like, oh, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, so yeah, the music is great. I mean, the sound effects are great. I mean, John Carpenter is great. I mean, I don't know what more you can really say, but uh, you know, what about you, Greg? What did you think? I have nothing more to, that was perfect. You took all the words out of my mouth. Everything that you just said. Totally. Exactly. And, and they're kind of final showdown. I mean, uh, you've (laughs) she she does a really good job i actually really appreciate the fact that she is so good with the kids and like you know that the kids are going to be okay like she takes such good care of them and is always like go here lock the door do this run this way i love that um because she doesn't seem like the strongest person up until this point and you can really i mean i think you can really feel her fear and anxiety i mean she's laying it all out she's not trying to keep it in Yet she still has a clear enough head to really protect the kids. And she's very brave in that she stays behind to fight. I mean, she might be screaming and crying during the whole thing, but she attacks Michael multiple times, you know, hoping to kill him and protect herself and protect the kids. So, I, I mean, a- any of these scenes that you guys want to call out? Um, I actually like the scene when she, like, it's, it's Laura's image. When he's standing creepily away, you know, a far shot of him in front of the house mm-hmm. and then he's just walking slowly towards oh, her and she's yeah. trying to get in the get in the house and find the keys and she's trying oh, to wake up Tommy yeah. you know and it's just like building that suspense and it's just so crazy of just like man this guy like he's just so slow and methodical just like you know I'll, I'll get to the you know I'll, I'll, I'll kill you when I'm ready yeah you know but it's just such a great shot mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, every time I watch that scene, and I've seen this movie so many times, I'm like, he has to be right there behind her at this point. It takes so long. They drag, they drag it out and it just gives you so much anxiety. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's basically this lifeless monster. Yeah. If he had any semblance of humanity, he would be looking both ways before he crossed the street. He would be looking at the neighbor's houses to make sure that nobody could see him. He just doesn't give a shit. He yeah. has one mission. He's like the original Terminator, basically. Uh-huh. Like, he has got one mission, which is to kill, and he has no reason to stop. And the way that they played that out and, and their use of shadow and, and lighting was just was so creepy. Like, even that, gosh, even that closet scene. Like, I feel like a lot of the scenes that I was watching that I was very impressed with, I became impressed because I was expecting it to go to one way which was to be very fast-paced and very cutty, like movies nowadays. But yet I was given something else. And in that closet scene, he bashed through, and it, it took a longer it took longer than I expected it to. And you could just really feel his lifelessness and his almost like roboticism. Like he didn't really care. All he wanted to do is just kill her, and there was no emotion to it. And they played it out as long as they could to make you feel that. And yeah, that was really creepy. And then again, before that, Rob, when you see him across the street, just coming after her, it's just that just plays into what I really like. I'll jump, I'll jump into it. Like my favorite thing about this movie was just him standing places and him 
being like a shadow across the street and him walking that that moment where he throws her down the stairs and then he kind of she looks up and he sees him the way he's just standing at the top of the stairs with his um his knife and then he just starts to walk toward her down the stairs i know that a lot of movies you said laura have have borrowed from this movie but how i have not seen it done this way in any other movie is is so impressive to me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. What about what about you, Laura? What do you think? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we're we're kind of jumping into like favorite scene territory, and I gotta say, right around this point, after the whole closet scene, and this isn't the first time that she thinks that she's defeated him, because because a normal person, a normal man, been stabbed by whatever a needle and then a hanger and what what have you, <laughs> she she thinks she's got him so many times, and she's just trying to take a goddamn breath for a second you know (laughs) um and that scene where right after the closet scene where she's just kind of leaning up against the wall and she does have like a very small um shoulder wound you know she's bleeding a little bit from her shoulder that's like the only other blood in this movie besides the very beginning yeah and you're just kind of relaxing with her for a second and then the way he just sits up and again, I, like we've used this word a lot, but it's so true. It's very iconic. And a lot of movies have borrowed this since mm-hmm. then. But you learn from this at this point, he is not a regular man. He is just evil in a man's body. That's what he is. And the way he just sits up and the music comes back and you're like, oh, my God, here we go again. That is mm-hmm. my not only do I is that my favorite scene, but I think that is the fucking scariest scene. It gives you like the chills. Yeah. I mean, it is just. It is so creepy. Can you guys actually like sit up like that? I don't think I can do that. Not after quarantine. I'm too fat. <laughs> I mean, you have to have some really good ab muscles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Michael's got a pretty good core. Can you guys, <laughs> Laura, can you explain why? This is one thing that I didn't really understand. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the ending yet, but I didn't really understand how he is like the juggernaut, like how nothing is, because by all accounts in the beginning of the movie, he's just a boy that grows right. up in a... In, in basically a mental institution, how is it that he can withstand all this damage? I didn't, I didn't really get that. Uh, they, they explain it a lot in, in most of the movies. Um, and uh, they don't really explain it as much in the first, but there are things here and there. I mean, when I don't have the quote in front of me, but when he's talking about like the evil behind his eyes, mm-hmm. there's something about, you know, mind over matter. So if you're pure evil, there's kind of this theory that you are invincible in a way like your body, it doesn't succumb to the same things that our bodies would if we were stabbed or shot or fall off a second story balcony, you know, these things would really hurt us. But because he's not, he's like no longer man inside. Mm. So that's kind of the um excuse at least for this movie because they kept referring him to, to the boogeyman and i thought there was like a supernatural element but I, I couldn't tell because they explained his history like a normal human yeah so I know if- but you know they're they're kind of is and i think that you even if you haven't picked that up until the very end you pick that up in the end because he is shot six or seven times by dr loomis and you know we're basically at the ending he he gets away. He's shot. He falls down. And then the movie ends and, and he's gone. And a lot of people don't know this, but if you haven't seen the second one, um, it is the same night as Halloween one. It is the to be continued. 
So hmm. uh, if, if you, you know, watch this movie and you're itching for more, I urge everyone to watch the second one. Mm, wow. I'm yeah. going to go scratch that itch right now after we stop recording. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I do like the after the end of this movie. Like I said, Loomis is staring at the, you know, where Michael was standing. And then you hear the breathing. Yeah. You hear the breathing yeah. through the mask. And I thought, like, what a great, like, way to end and tie it all back in, especially to pretty much prove that, no, he's still he's still going. Yeah. He's still out there, you know? I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah. did the ending work for you guys? Did you like that? Because I know a lot of people don't like endings where killers get away or it's kind of ambiguous. So, you know, how did you kind of, when it ended, were you, were you satisfied or were yeah, you I like, didn't oh, know but... if I thought maybe if you were to try to be rational, maybe he just lined a bunch of wrenches underneath his coat. So that when he got shot, they just bounced off. I don't know. But, like, I basically took it, like you said, throughout the movie, Dr. Loomis kept saying that he kept referring to him as an it rather than mm -hmm. he. And he took every opportunity he could and basically said, this guy is not a, a human, a man. Yeah. So when you take that to its, like, logical extension, okay, well, he's beyond a human being. The way that they ended it was was great to me. He He's missing he ran away and like you said rob like the last thing you hear in the movie is his deep breathing almost like behind a mask and you kind of cut to all the places that he's been throughout the movie it was very ominous um and this is one of the few times where i feel like it sets up a sequel and i didn't feel like it was being cheesy and jumped the sharkish about it i thought mm -hmm. wow that's creepy and cool and i would definitely be willing to see the the next uh movie that that comes after this Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, t I totally agree. I mean, like you said, I mean, I, I didn't feel that the ending was cheesy at all. You know, I feel Good. like it was appropriate, especially you're establishing through this whole movie that this guy is, like you said, not human, that he is like pure evil. And we all know, like, you can't really stop evil yeah it's always going to happen it's always going to be there you know it's always the counterbalance to good so it has to exist mm. so for him to not exist means you're not going to have good so he always has to be there nice yeah. awesome well fuck this has been great do you guys uh have any other positives you want to add i feel like we've just been talking this movie up we're gonna get to negatives but uh just anything <laughs> that hasn't been mentioned i mean there's like two scenes i just want to shout out because i thought they were funny and we haven't really talked a lot about like funny in this movie yeah there's there's the one scene where the professor loomis is trying to keep the three kids from going inside michael myers old house <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I, I wrote it down, you know, the, there's three kids and these are the same three kids that picked on Tommy earlier in this movie. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of happy that they kind of got a little come up. It's, you know, but the three kids are trying to egg on one of the kids. I think his name is Lonnie to go into the house. And so Lonnie starts walking up and Loomis like cups his hands <laughs> and makes like this creepy voice. And he's like, Lonnie, Lonnie get your ass away from there. And it was, it was so funny. And the kids like run off, but it was just like such a funny scene of like this super serious doctor yeah. through this whole movie. And for him to like have that little funny scene, I, I fucking loved it. I loved that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That was really funny. I mean, the only other scene I thought was pretty funny. I don't think this one was intentional was the scene where, uh, where Lori and I believe it was Annie are driving in the car and they pull up to the dad who's a sheriff and somebody had broken into like a hardware store mm -hmm. and his his line of like oh nothing happened all they took was some mass rope and a couple knives <laughs> and like like not 
like nonchalant of like three things that are literally making a killer. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I just thought it was like, dude, like you're you're a cop. I'm pretty sure you're the head sheriff. Yeah, like you didn't think more into that. You know, I just thought that was like a funny, like, dude, you should have done a little more with that. A little, little, little investigation, maybe. You know. Yeah, he wasn't the sharpest, which I think says a lot about the town, right? I mean, there's always kind of that stereotype that um, the sheriffs in like towns that are kind of like honky dory, right? They're not the smartest. Mm-hmm. So it's so, yeah, so funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> all right you guys lay it on me what are your negatives well, i'm ready i'm ready for it let's go let's go uh, let's, let's, let, let, uh, greg you can go first greg I'll, let, let me uh let me let me bring up the rear here okay um all right well just a couple things i thought when uh when michael so who's the first girl linda okay when she dies for the first time or maybe it was i forgot if it was linda or annie she gets like killed and her she goes like cross-eyed or something i thought that was like fucking thing <laughs> and then when uh when Lori discovers her in the closet she's still cross it's, it's almost like she, <laughs> she's still cross-eyed like i'm gonna i'm gonna, this is gonna be my thing when i get killed i'm gonna be like this uh greg both of them are cross-eyed they both are they both are <laughs> Like, is that, that's not like something that happens, I think, when you... I think that's just acting school 101 from late 70s, <laughs> is when you die, you go cross-eyed. Come on. Oh. It, it looked like Looney Tunes, bro. It was it just... Did. I, it did. It was so ridiculous. And then, of course, obviously, Michael Myers. Like, Rob, I didn't even think about imagining Michael cutting out with some scissors or a knife <laughs> the sheet and getting, like, uncomfortably impatient with, like, how hard it is to line up. Like, I created this mask, right? <laughs> It's hard. I had to go up to the mirror and like go, okay, well, here are my eyes. And I had to like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I literally spent 20 minutes cutting this. Do you think, I mean, Michael Myers didn't talk for 15 years. How many times do you think they handed him a pair of scissors in the sanitarium? Never. So apparently he knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, what else? Oh, again, yeah. Ripping off little girl's clothes. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> Um, very minor stuff, I guess. Like some of the dubbing was off. But then I guess just, the, yeah, the basic thing was was some of the acting, but I was able to get past that because I figured, look, this is over, you know, 40, 40 years ago. What, what do I expect? Yeah. I, I'm just going to cut in real quick and just apologize to everybody. Um, we've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth it. Um, if animal deaths in horror movies upset you, <laughs> it's uh, worth it to check out does the dog die.com. Um, unfortunately, in this movie, we do have some animal deaths. So. I just want to say we apologize. We're we're not about it, but unfortunately, that's just a typical trope with a lot of horror movies. So, wait, mm-hmm. I, I want to mention one on that note. Then, okay, when when Doctor Loomis and the sheriff they go into the Myers house, thing that Michael has hold up there, mm-hmm. and they they kind of look into the corner, and they you the camera actually doesn't show it, but they go they try to describe like a dead dog. I that's yeah. what I right? thought too, right? Yeah. And then they said like. Oh, well, Michael got hungry, which was interesting because he's not going to go to Vaughn's and start picking up some food. So he's going to, he's going to kill a dog and eat him. Right. But then I thought that the sheriff's speculation after that, he goes, Oh, maybe it was a skunk. And I thought, what the fuck kind of skunk is going to kill it? Skunks eat bugs. Like what skunk is going to murder a dog and kill it? I thought he's got to be the worst sheriff ever. After you mentioned Rob that he missed the fact that the rope, the knife, 
and the mask were gone and it was a bunch of kids doing it. Like, he's got to be the worst sheriff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if he doesn't know skunks, like, he's not even suitable for animal control. Yeah. Like, this guy needs to go down so far on the scale. Shit. Yeah, he needs yeah. to go to, like, parade detail for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's, like, the sheriff yeah. somehow. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, Greg. You, uh, you know what? That wasn't so bad. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for that. All right, Rob. Let's have it. Bring it. Um, no, I mean, I don't have a lot. I've been joking around with Laura for over, over a day now, you know, sending her tweets about certain things or sending her text it's only messages. Been a day. About, you know, I, I think Laura said off pod, I, I literally ruined like a whole dinner for her because she had to like talk to her other family members about, you know, is Halloween this or is Halloween that because I put the negative, you know, in, you know, yeah, I, thoughts I, in her I, head I, that I was in a batch's movie. I came guns ablaze and I thought this was going to be a showdown. So yeah, you can, you can put them back in the holsters, put them back in the holsters, Laura. You don't need All to, right. you don't need to yeah. pull them out. You know? Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing is just the acting in this movie and that yeah. alone we've talked about is such a time thing. Mm -hmm. It's so like late seventies, you know? Um, but like I said, for me, I, I really was going to start talking about this movie, not being that great. The first time I watched it, I think I've already mm -hmm. mentioned it in the pod. The first time I watched this movie straight through, it's the first time I've ever seen it. I thought it was boring mm -hmm. and slow and, you know, and, and it was just kind of like, okay, like I don't get the fuss. Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, it wasn't until the second time I watched, I started appreciating what they were doing. And so like, that's kind of changing my negative from being like, oh, it's slow and boring to, oh no, it's actually a positive. It's, it's methodical and it's paced well. Yeah. So I, I really don't have a lot of negatives, you know? Like Greg said, I mean, it's, 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 it's from the time it's low budget. It's independent, you know, little things like editing and dubbing. Like, what do you expect? It's like a $300,000 budget. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for, for what this movie is for the time period, for what they had, you know, things like that. I mean, this is, it's pretty damn well perfect. It, it's crazy to think about it, you know? Oh, I'm so happy. I feel like I have a hanger in my mouth. I'm smiling so big. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> that needs to be like my next. Like whenever I'm like elated, <laughs> I just really want to shock people. But Greg, how you feeling? Oh my god! I feel like I've got a hanger in my mouth. I'm so happy. <laughs> I've never just heard that term. That's not. That sounds my, it's making my smile so big. It's like a hanger. I love it. Uh, wow. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. But uh, yeah, obviously, I don't have a whole lot of negatives. I think we've touched upon most of them. Yeah, some of the acting was not great. Um, and yeah, I mean, just ugh, even though this movie is so iconic, and I appreciate every aspect of it. I mean, we've talked about this, like, this is one of the first slasher films, one of the first, there's a killer after this woman and the whole final girl showdown, the, the music, the slow burn, this, the fact that they can use suspense over blood. All of these things are so huge. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if I saw this for the first time today, would I feel the same way? I'm not sure. I mean, the plot is very simple. And, mm -hmm. and that might be a complaint if I saw this for the first time today, but uh, I'm super biased. So I, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of as being kind of a negative for me. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I mean, I think this movie is pretty much perfection as well. Mm -hmm. I had a question for you guys. So they, they talked a couple of times about this, you know, the, I think the last line in the movie was actually Laurie Strode saying, well, he is the boogeyman, isn't he? And then Dr. Loomis goes, yeah, he was. I was curious, the boogeyman, is, as far as I know, is, is used to straighten out kids, like to get kids to do the, the right thing, to make them behave. Did you guys ever, did your parents ever say, like, tell you about the boogeyman or give you any kind of like, uh, 
urban legend about if you don't do the dishes or if you don't clean your room, if you don't listen to your parents, like the boogeyman will get you. Did they, they ever say anything like that to you? Um, no, absolutely not. And oh, I, no? I am worried right now. I, I, <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. Was, your Rob, child, nothing? was your childhood no. okay? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Well, I was never, I was never given any kind of story like that, but I do remember like my dad is from the Philippine Islands and back in the seventies, which was when this movie was made, he told me that they were, there was a creature called the Batibat. That sounds like, that sounds way too much like the Babadook. I'm out. I'm out. I'm <laughs> yeah. Out. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> but he, he said it was really effective. Like the kids would go to sleep because the parents would always tell them that it was this headless lady that lived in the trees. And oh. you were, if you were caught out walking late, she would snatch you up. And if you tried to hide underneath the tree, she was like really big and heavy and she would jump out of the tree and squash you and suffocate you until you, until you died underneath okay, well, her weight. This, this started off really horrifying oh and my it just was silly, but okay. So he, he, wow. he was like, that, that was like one of their, they had like several different boogeymen. So I just thought that was fucking crazy. Like I, they never said anything like that to me. You know, they just said, you know, if you don't, you know, uh, if you don't come home, we'll, we'll take away your Nintendo or something. That was like. Oh, I thought I thought you, I thought you were gonna say your dad was like, "Hey, if you don't come home, your mom's gonna sit on you." <laughs> Jesus fuck! Oh my god. Okay, let's move. Let's move it on. Wow. Yeah, I guess uh, we can. Re- you know, as like modern parents, we can resort to more practical forms of punishment. We don't have to. We don't have to talk about the mm-hmm. boogeyman anymore, but I just was just curious about that. Wow. Yeah, that was, that's true. That's true. That was yeah. enlightening. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let, let's get to the ratings then. Let's get to the ratings yeah. in this movie and, let, and let's see like how high these ratings are going to go. Cause I'm, I'm really interested to hear what they're going to be. I kind of think I already know Laura's, but we'll see. Um, so we're going to do one to five here. Let's do how many carved pumpkins how many carved pumpkins also called jack-o'-lanterns uh i guess so you know if you want to you know layman's terms yeah you know um and 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 also like what what are you carving on them what's carved on them Ooh. so what what do you think you want to go first laura you want to start us off yeah let's fucking do it uh i'm giving this five jack-o'-lanterns oh figured figured wow Mm -hmm. four okay but Four of them are perfectly scary, like Jack Skellington faces, like the perfect face. <laughs> Jack Skellington right? faces. Um, and that fifth one, like, started to be a Jack Skellington. It's like two thirds of the way done. Maybe it's like missing the mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I was putting this in, in, <sighs> numerical like one to five like a five this is basically a five because you round up Mm -hmm. but is it perfect it is but i mean obviously there are there are things about it you know that's just it was made in the 70s of course there's going to be things that had a three hundred thousand dollar budget um i think four and a half is too low so i probably fall somewhere in between 4.75 yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking Mm -hmm. yeah Nice. Like like uh, four pumpkins, maybe half of another. Jack yeah, like the fifth stem. one is just not complete. It just doesn't have the the, the candle inside. Yeah, okay. Ooh, it's pretty good. Oh damn it! Why didn't I say that? That was good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, what what about you, Greg? How many how many pumpkins and what's carved on them? I will say that the, I the first time when I went through the movie, I 
was kind of like you, Rob. I, I was like kind of bored, honestly, by the end. But after talking about it with you guys, I feel like a, a lot better about the movie. I feel like I can appreciate it more because of its standing in, in horror history and what it was able to do, especially the fact that I still haven't seen another movie do something like what they did with Michael just, and I'm, this will be the last time I say it, him just literally standing there 50 feet away, <laughs> freaking me out, man. I'm just, it's going to give me nightmares. Um, overall, it wasn't that scary by like today's standards, no. you know, yeah. but I, I still like the, the suspense buildup. I really miss this type of pace. I love how it calm it made me feel in the sense. I don't know how else to, it made me feel calm. Like I wasn't my, my horror OCD didn't really trigger. Hmm. I felt like I was able to relax into the horror, mm -hmm. which was, I, I appreciated that more. And overall, like you said, Laura, it was a very simple movie, which could be taken as a, a gripe, but I thought it was great in its simplicity. It's very straightforward and simple, but I, I love that about it. So yeah. Um, I'm going to give it four pumpkins. Originally, I thought three and a half, but I'm going to give it four. What are the pumpkins? I'm going to say each pumpkin is a different word carved into it. Not even a face, a word. And the words are, I did it first. Oh. This mo movie did so many things before other movies did it. So you have to give it that much credit. Um, yeah. You're my favorite four, person in the world, right? Four amazing. Jack Lanterns. That's amazing. <laughs> Rob, you're never, there's nothing you could say that's going to be better than that. So good luck. Oh, okay. Well, then I, then I might go, uh, I might as well go the opposite and make you angry a bit. But, uh, as much as I really like this movie and like Greg said, second time around, really appreciated a lot of what they did. We, we had a little conversation leading up to this of comparing it to or actually deciding what is better. Halloween or The Thing, <laughs> both John Carpenter movies. That's funny. And on The Thing episode, Laura was not about that thing. She didn't like it. You know, she gave it a pretty low rating. He gave it like a two or something like that, you know. And, and I gave The Thing a four. I really thought it was a great movie. John Carpenter's directing is so great in that movie. And this movie, Halloween, John Carpenter's kind of like starting more out as more independent. So the directing is not like on par with that. And, and I understand this movie does a lot of things first. But if I'm going to go head on head, I got to say The Thing is a better movie overall. I liked it better. So I gave The Thing a four. I'm going to give this a 3.9. So I'm going to say it's oh, just under. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of love you again. All right. This is, so, this is you good. know, right. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my, my pumpkins are going to be, yeah, almost four pumpkins. And <sighs> I'll, go with, I'll go with Greg's, you know, little thing he figured out in this movie. All my pumpkins have wrenches carved in them. Damn. You know? <laughs> Because I thought that was pretty ridiculous, but uh, yeah. Okay. You know? Oh, thank you for not. You know what? I'm I'm happy I don't have to like unleash the beast because I'm tired. I'm tired of fucking <laughs> being on edge for these last two hours. So I uh, look what you've done, Rob. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I know I was ready to come and argue about this because um I just don't think you can compare them. Uh, you know the thing did, was iconic in itself. Uh for like the alien subgenre but what this has done in the overall horror genre it's it's just much more relevant and it's much more important so mm -hmm. um yeah. but yeah but four and a 3.9 i'll take it i'm very happy with that so all right rob i forgive you we're not cool. gonna fight anymore okay all right well wait, we'll see what happens next week <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true yeah yeah
Yeah, speaking of next week, you know, do you want to reveal, Laura, what we're doing uh, next week? I do. So we are, there are 11 Halloween movies out right now, and we only have five weeks, which we're lucky we even have five weeks in October. We're only doing five of them. We can't do them all. I want us to be able to talk about um, different ones and kind of hit uh, as many tracks as we can. I've mentioned this before. I'll explain it really quickly that the Halloween franchise much to many people's uh, annoyance, it does not, they're not all linear and they don't all um, refer back to something that happened in the movie previous. A lot of these will pick up on its own track. And so there are actually five different like timelines slash tracks in the Halloween franchise. We're going to hit on four of them in these next five weeks. So as many as I could do. Um, the movie that we are going to watch next is Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. Uh-huh. Um, basically, you can forget about three. Three is a standalone, so you do not need to watch three. Now, as I mentioned before, Halloween Two is actually the to be continued of this movie. Uh, I will tell you right now that I really urge you guys, if you can, to watch Halloween Two before you watch Halloween Four. But if you can't and you want spoilers, I have a super quick, super speedy synopsis I'm going to do for you right now. Uh, so again, you know, stop this here if you don't want spoilers. But otherwise, I will give you my quick synopsis. And then that way, we can all just kind of jump and start with Halloween 4 next week. So here we go. <gasps> Halloween 2 picks up the same night as Halloween 1 with Michael missing. Lori is rushed to the hospital for her shoulder stab wound and because she is traumatized as fuck. Michael finds a new neighborhood, breaks into grandma's house to steal the knife she was using to put mustard on her bologna sandwich, and then kills their neighbor just for shits and gigs. There is only one doctor working at the hospital and he is drunker than a monkey's uncle and decides it's best to put Lori to sleep for her tiny shoulder gash. Meanwhile, an EMT named Jimmy, who is clearly over 18, drools over underage Lori while she has passed the fuck out. He came back to Michael and he is cruising around downtown Haddonfield while everyone parties like it's Bourbon Street in New Orleans not giving a flying fuck. The hospital only has one lazy-ass security guard who is too dumb as a doornail to see Michael approaching, and then Michael kills him with a hammer to the head. Lori wakes up for a millisecond and finds out Michael is her brother and has a full-blown breakdown like, why me? Why me? Meanwhile, back at Michael's abandoned house, the town goes all Salem witch trials on his ass and stones the house to death. While Lori is back to being passed the fuck out, a nurse and another EMT find a hot tub, pretty swanky hospital if you ask me, and try to do it, but Michael turns that shit up to 300 and burn, baby, burn. At this point, Michael has murdered every employee of this sad-ass hospital, and Lori is wandering around drugged up as fuck. Lori tries to escape through the parking lot, but Michael has slashed everyone's tires, and without a car, Bitch assumes the next best move is to head back into the hospital. Loomis finally arrives, and we get what we came for, which is the showdown of Michael, Lori, and Loomis, resulting in Lori refusing Loomis's gun, because she is clearly anti-NRA, but eventually taking it and shooting Michael in both eyes, because of course she has a perfect shot, and Michael cries bloody tears. While he blindly tries to stab them, Loomis sets the whole place on fire, and like a badass, evil, satanic boss that Michael is, he walks out on fire, and we are left with another ambiguous ending. All in all, Halloween 2 has more deaths, more blood, better acting, but somewhat drawn out being the same Halloween night and just doesn't have that same sparkle as the first. The end. Oh my God, Laura, I can't believe you did that so fast. <laughs> that was, that was crazy. That was, that was the anti Michael Myers. That was like so fast. It was crazy. You know, uh, not, it didn't scare Greg at all. Cause you weren't standing still. <laughs> um so cool yeah so so yeah so that's pretty much it for the episode this week like i said you know laura said what we're going to be watching next week it gives you kind of a plan to what you need to watch uh going forward um yeah so you know you guys can email us in you know possible movies we can conjecture after october is done after we're done with our you know conjecture ween 
Uh, you can hit us up, conjecturingpod at Gmail or Twitter, Instagram at conjecturingpod. Also remember, subscribe, rate, review our podcast, whatever you listen to it on. And also go check out the Slash and Cast podcast network um, at slashandcast.net. So this has been uh, The Conjecturing. I've been Rob. And Laura. And Greg. Yeah. Until next time, remember, horror is subjective, so conjecture away. See ya. Bye. Good night, guys. See ya. Get me a fucking beer, douchebag.